Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Once again, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, now that training camp has kind of begun. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. Yeah. I'm ready for things to move on. I'm tired of being in the doldrums. I'm tired of, you know, all those things. It's time we got, got things moving. And we're just about there. I know. I think there are so many hypotheticals that go into the Kansas City Chiefs offseason, and they're all building to finally get mm. to this week. And the thing I like about this week is we are finally going to have some concrete visuals, some concrete information to discuss and evaluate. I put my 53-man roster out. We'll be able to change that, have multiple versions this year. Don't forget last year, we only had the one version because we didn't really get a look at this team and it wasn't yeah. going to change. And so yeah. now it'll change week by week. We're taking a step toward normalcy after the coronavirus pandemic, and I'm happy about that. Before we yeah. get into the news, which we will in a second, I want to tell you this. Please rate and review this podcast if you enjoy it. We will take each review into account. I read each and every one of them. Five stars is preferable, but look, that's up to you. This is America. This is your right. Grade us how you wish, but please leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. After we go through the news later today in this podcast, we'll go through our day one things we'll be looking at for Chiefs training camp. We come to you on the eve of what will be the first full team training camp practice. So John and I have each come up with three things we'll be looking for on day one. But first, let's talk about the weekend. Rookies, quarterbacks, injured players descended upon St. Joseph. And the thing that stuck out to me about this were the idea that there were three veterans in camp. Cornerback DeAndre Baker, safety Juan Thornhill, and defensive end Taco Charlton all took part in at least two training camp practices. Juan Thornhill did end up getting Monday off because he is the greater veteran probably of the three here in this camp. But I don't know if we necessarily expected this. And I thought this was a good thing, John. Yeah. And and they talked about it that way. Uh, Thornhill said specifically he appreciated the opportunity to get up there and get some early work in uh, without a whole lot of pressure. These are pretty light practices. It's not like there was a lot of full contact going on, mostly seven on seven drills. Right. And uh, I think he appreciated the opportunity to do something light before he has to put the pads on on Wednesday and make sure that he's okay. Uh, he said over and over, this was a mental thing for him, that it was just about feeling comfortable with the knee last year. And he got better at it as the year went along. But, you know, once he's back in the off season, you know, your mind can play tricks on you. And I think yeah. he just wanted to be sure everything was cool. Yeah. I think of the three, right. Cause you have Deandre Baker who broke his femur in that week 17 game. 
Taco Charlton was in the middle of the year with the fractured ankle. These were injuries suffered last year. What was Mm -hmm. different about Juan Thornhill is there was no official, unofficial re-injury last year. Mm -hmm. This is just a player who had that torn ACL in week 17 of 2019, and he decided, okay, I want to still continue to get additional reps before the other veterans get to town. Here was Juan Thornhill, who was quite candid with us over the weekend. Uh, Honestly, I had to play it off a little bit. I wasn't at 100%. But it was just more about the, like, the mental. Like I had to tell myself, okay, it's going to hurt, but you got to play through it. So that's why when the end of the season came, you saw me making more plays just because it's more mental. And I just pushed myself through that, that mental block. And then I just started to play a lot better. So we'll talk about Juan Thornhill in a second. But do you hear that in the background? That is a golf cart, which means we are finally recording back in person. We're not in an office. We're not on Zoom. We're back in person. The elements are around us. You would think maybe, hey, they wouldn't drive the golf cart. Doesn't matter. I'm happy about the golf cart. That's a good thing because we're finally normalizing as we lead into what we expect to be 100% capacity at Arrowhead Stadium. Back to Thornhill, though. Quite <laughs> candid, right, John? Quite candid yeah, and honest yeah. in saying, look, there were some limitations with this injury last year, but he confirmed mm-hmm. to us, I'm 100% now. And that is a huge boost to the defense. 17 full weeks. If he can stay healthy, 17 full weeks of the Juan Thornhill, not that we saw maybe at the beginning of last year, but that rookie season Juan Thornhill that was starting to push to that Pro Bowl level. Yeah, and you know what's funny about this is that we kind of had indications this was going to be the case. Tyron Matthew talked about it quite a bit last season about uh, you know how his injuries had taken a couple of years to get where he felt fully comfortable with him, and he spoke about that specifically with regard to Thornhill. We all just kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so I'm glad that we, you know, and then when when Andy Reid said on Friday that Thornhill was injured, we we're like, what? What? Who knew? And um, maybe we should have been a little more prepared for this, but I think most of us weren't, that, uh, that we weren't going to see Thornhill uh, 100% right from the beginning. But I'm glad that he spoke about it because we hadn't had much directly from him. Right. And I'm glad that he was straight with us. That was great. And uh, that he's going to be fine. It's it's exciting to 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 think about yeah. Thornhill being all the way back. The two things that that jump out, the two aspects that jump out, are I expect now that he feels okay on his leg, feels one hundred percent quicker to the tackle when yeah. a player is in front of him, and then I think there's going to be a quicker jump with him on potential interceptions. Like I definitely think that you see an uptick in interceptions for Juan Thornhill this season, so long as he continues to stay healthy. All right, John, next piece of news. The Chiefs signed a long snapper, released a wide receiver. You jumped on this for us yesterday. What happened? Well, it was weird. Uh, the, the, Chiefs, <laughs> uh, the Chiefs announced that they That's had, been the last 16 months, just in general. Yeah, That's the yeah. way to describe it. Weird. The Chiefs that announced that they had um, waived a player, um, Chris Finke. The I Slippery think Fox! The Slippery uh, Fox. but the Slippery Fox. And signed uh, a long snapper and Alex Okafor. And of course, we knew Okafor had been signed last week that we got word that that was happening. But sometimes Mm -hmm. we get that information before it's actually officially transmitted to the NFL. They wait until they have a player that they can release to make room. So, you know, they announce three transactions and they're still at 91 players. So what's going on here? Well, they didn't announce immediately that they had put James Winchester, the team's 
uh, long snapper on the reserve COVID list. Mm. So we found out about that after they announced the other transactions. And now it all makes sense. The team is at 90 players. They've got this uh, Drew Scott fella uh, who was originally from Kansas State. Yeah. Uh, came here by way of the Raiders and Cowboys practice squads over the last couple of years. The Chiefs actually gave him a workout uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, so they've got him here for training camp. And, uh, you know, after all, Winchester's going to be a free agent after this season. And he's going to be 33 years old when next season begins. Uh, not this season, but next season. So it's good that they've got a guy to look at. Um, I feel bad that Winchester is on the list right now, but um, these are the realities of the NFL right now. Yeah, I think Drew Scott's probably a fill-in for Winchester. Mm -hmm. Of all the positions of the 53, I think this is the one you worry about the least. But Winchester's mm -hmm. been really good for yes, the Kansas City Chiefs. So it, yeah. it does continue uh, to be worth monitoring the rules for vaccinated players, which we believe Winchester to be right now. He needs two negative tests, 24 hours apart to return. And so we'll see whenever that comes through. Uh, we know that the chiefs are practicing on Wednesday. I think probably the earliest you see Winchester would be Friday, but this is completely unknown. We don't know. We'll yeah. keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com for now. Your long snappers, this young kid, out of Kansas State, the Wildcat, Drew Scott. Some other transactions to know. Ugh, I, I said it already, but Chris, uh, the Slippery Fox Finky, <laughs> which is one of my favorite nicknames that we have had in Kansas City in a while. He left practice over the weekend, and it appears he's too injured to continue. He was injured, waived after getting hurt at Chiefs training camp. Armani Watts, who we found out, John, and you may want to talk a little bit about this. He has been added to the PUP. We found out from Andy Reid, and this was new news to us because he had been absent from offseason programming mm -hmm. that he had a fractured foot. Yeah, we didn't know anything about this. And, and of course, when the voluntary portion of the offseason program is going on and a player is absent, everybody assumes that he's doing so because he doesn't want to be there. You know, we have this... this um, this common reaction that, well, he's just sitting it out because he's a veteran and doesn't think he needs to be there. Well, you know, the possibility could be that he's injured. And this turned out to be the case with Watts. So I'm sure there's some folks who were saying bad things about him. who would like to take that back now that they know he was injured all this time, but we just didn't know. And uh, so now uh, he's on the, the PUP and uh, we'll see if he gets better before the season begins. And if he doesn't, then we'll miss him for the first six weeks and maybe more. Yeah, here's the deal with the PUP. As soon as Watts practices at camp, he has to come off. If he remains on the PUP past the 53 cutdown, he is out for the first six weeks of the season. But who knows? This is on the active right. PUP. And so he could be back before we know it sometime sure. during training camp. We actually don't know the timetable exactly on this thing. Other news to know, Malik Herring, who if you really are diehard with the Chiefs, you know about Tim Ward and Darius Harris and how the Chiefs signed them as undrafted free agents. I believe it was now two years ago. This is essentially going to be a redshirt year for the defensive end, Malik Herring. He ended up tearing his ACL during Senior Bowl week, which you know about from the draft process. So he's on the non-football injury list. Well, you might ask, he was injured playing football. Why is he on the NFI? Well, it didn't happen with the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's still technically considered non-football. And so he's on that list. He won't, once the 53-man roster comes out, 
be counting against the roster. I imagine he's going to be put on what is the injured reserve at that point, and then we'll see about him for the 2022 season. Let's get into the next update, and this is uh, the biggest update, but it's one we've repeated a number of times. Here's Patrick Mahomes on his turf toe. I think there will be no restrictions. Uh, I've been training, uh, running, throwing, uh, doing everything that I, I usually do. And uh, I think that was what was so good about going to OTAs and doing those things. Is I, I tested it there. I realized I was good. And then, then when I got back with Bobby and started training in the offseason with him, um, I was able to do what I normally would do. Talking about Bobby Stroop, his personal trainer, who was based out of Tyler, Texas, and we recently found out we'll be moving to Kansas City. You got to go where the golden goose is. And the man with the golden turf toe, Patrick Mahomes, he says he's all right. I actually had the opportunity to watch him over the weekend at rookie and quarterback camp. And there were times when he looked like he was midseason Patrick. I just, I, it's amazing to watch where he flicks his wrist and, and never gets old. We're entering the fifth training camp of Patrick Mahomes where he flicks his wrist and the ball just sails out of his hands and you don't understand how that is happening, but that's the version of Patrick Mahomes I saw and we expect him to be a full go for training camp and yeah, Andy Reid may, may try to limit him, but you could only do so much to protect Patrick from himself, as they say, and I think, I think he's completely good to go. I'm still wrapping my head around that fifth year of training camp for Patrick Mahomes. That's it's hard for me to even believe. It's we've been through four seasons with the guy now. I, I just it I guess it's just because it started off with the the red shirt season essentially where he just right. played one that's game. That's the year that's, that's tough what, to remember, but yeah, I yeah. remember that we were at training camp during that time and Alex was going to be the starter he always yeah. was and we would see him and you would be like, "Oh my goodness, this is going to be something to see." And yeah, he ended up having as a starter the best possible start you could ever have to an NFL career so far. Yeah. And it's just another reason, you know, we're talking about the fifth year here. Enjoy mm -hmm. it. I know yeah. it, it, as, as it's going to go by fast, just like life. So every moment that you have an opportunity to watch this kid who again, has had the greatest start in NFL history, enjoy it because it may go by faster than you realize. And we have the biggest news here. Uh, congratulations are owed to a great career, to a horse we know and love, Warpaint. John, <laughs> you covered this for ArrowheadPride.com. Warpaint will be taken out of the mix starting in the 2021 season. Yeah, it was almost a throwaway uh, in uh, Mark Donovan's remarks on Monday uh, that he announced that they were going to retire Warpaint from uh, team activities. And something they've been thinking about for a while, just another of the things the Chiefs have done over a period of time to try and take the pressure off them um, about the the name Chiefs. Right. And uh, the Chiefs continue, as Donovan explained uh, on Monday, continue to uh, work with Native American groups. They yeah. have a working group they've had for almost a decade now. And um, uh, and find ways to get common ground with them, so they don't have to eventually give up the name of the team or the stadium. But some of these other things will fall by the wayside, and and this is one of them. Yeah, you may be wondering if you're out of the loop or anything of why this is coming up again. I think for a long time the Kansas City Chiefs were in the back burner because there were other teams in front of them mm -hmm. where yeah. they just were worse. The Washington football team, we know their old name, that has since been changed. And very recently, the Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. 
So now the Chiefs are in the forefront of having any semblance of Native ties. Here's what Mark Donovan said. We have a really good American Indian working group that provides us real good guidance, feedback, and perspective on this issue. Obviously, we knew about the Cleveland decision a year plus ago, so we knew that was going to happen, but it doesn't really change our approach. We're going to continue to create opportunities to educate and create awareness and work exactly as we have for the past eight years now with the working group. I saw some comments on arrowheadpride.com and elsewhere that some people didn't even realize that war paint was still a thing. I saw other people complaining that war paint had bit their mother and during a visit. And so for a lot of reasons, probably good to say goodbye to war paint. And we know that the chiefs are continuing to work uh, again extensively with these Native American groups in the area to make sure that they're doing the right things. We saw them ban headdresses and Native American garb last year. I think we all agree that it's going in the right direction. We'll see as time goes on. Again, another thing to monitor if they will end up keeping their name. Right now, it feels like they're okay for the 2021 season, but this is an ever-changing thing. We'll see where it mm-hmm. goes. Right. Well, and and I, I think they're doing the right thing by talking to the people that it, to whom it matters. Right. You know, um, I, I think a lot of the outrage that's being manufactured about the name is coming from people who really don't have any reason to be outraged. And they want to be outraged on behalf of others. But the Chiefs are talking to the people to whom it matters. And I think there's hardly a better way to do it. I just I just think that's the right approach. Yeah, and we'll continue to keep you updated as this story develops over the years, I think. That's going to be more mm-hmm. of a yearly yeah. thing to me than something that I'll have daily or monthly updates, something like that. Uh, of course, at arrowheadpride.com. When we come back, we're going to get into the football of this thing. We are 24 hours or so, maybe less by the time you're listening to this, of the Chiefs' first full-team training camp practice of the 2021 season. The points to watch coming up on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are excited that training camp has finally commenced. The veterans arrived to training camp in St. Joseph last night. Anthony Hitchens, McCall Hardman, Orlando Brown Jr. spoke to the media. You can get that on From the Podium right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We also covered that with written write-ups on arrowheadpride.com. We know that the first Chiefs practice. Their first full-team practice is less than 24 hours away. And we're going to go through three points each that we're watching on day one of training camp. And I'll start with this. And to me, this is the most obvious one. This has been the most talked about subject of the Chiefs offseason. How will the offensive line look, the top team offensive line look with Patrick Mahomes? Who are going to be the players? I know we know about Orlando Brown Jr. I know we know about Joe Tooney. I think I'm about 85, 90 on Creed Humphrey at center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wide open at, at right guard to start tomorrow. And then right tackle, I expect to be Mike Remmers. Will Trey Smith start at right guard? I tend to think on day one, Laurent Duvenet-Tardif will, will be in there. What do you think, John? 
I think the Chiefs will give the the returning starter the opportunity to win the job. Especially because uh, Kyle Long's out of the mix, right? Now. Right, right. And it might have been different if Long had been in there and had played very well uh, and was healthy at this point. But since he isn't, I think the returning starter gets the opportunity to show what he's capable of. But I also think that they're going to give Trey Smith plenty of opportunities over the course of training camp. Yeah. Uh, It'll just be interesting to see how they approach it on day one. I think we're all agreed that that'll be a very important thing to watch. A lot of times when they're trying to figure out the offensive line, there'll be a split of reps as practice goes on. So this Mm -hmm. is something that we'll be watching. And going back to when Mitch Morse started at the center position, when he came to the Chiefs, I remember Eric Cush probably got the first three or four days getting the first crack before there was a switch. So I'm wondering if Laurent DuVernay-Tardif goes until about Saturday-ish, and then we see Trey Smith uh, taking most of those first team reps. All right, John, what is your first day one thing to watch at Chiefs training camp? How often do we see Chris Jones playing on the edge? I mean, this is another thing that we've been talking about constantly over the offseason. Do you want me to bring my counter, my pitch count counter to training <laughs> camp so I can keep track of it? The little hand thing that you yeah. press the button on, click, yeah. click, 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 click. Maybe we need to do that. Um, you know, last year he he played about 30% of the snaps on the edge, according to the data that Pro Football Focus keeps. Um, and so it's not really going to be that much of a change for him to play more often on the edge. Um, but it, it all could still be a smokescreen. It could be the Chiefs saying this stuff so that teams have to prepare for uh, looks that they might not necessarily see. I think you've mentioned before, Pete, that uh, you know we may just see this as something that occurs against specific uh, alignment, specific players. And I think there's a good chance of that. But it'll still be interesting to watch, and I'm sure a lot of people will devote uh, ink and electrons to it, not to mention airtime, talking about how often uh, uh, Chris Jones is on the edge starting tomorrow. Yeah, I think it says more about the interior than maybe even the edge position for the Chiefs because mm-hmm. yeah, you just have some solid players along the interior. Jaron Reed changes the game. Mm-hmm. Andy Reed, who usually does not even care about the media, has been begging us at press conferences to talk about Jaron Reed and that acquisition. And you pair him with Derek Nottie, and I think by keeping Chris Jones solely as a tackle... I mean, you got to take one of those guys off the field. They're not going to take off Reed, who I believe was seven or eight million dollars that he signed for. Mm-hmm. Derek Nadi is a, a solid player. So to keep the best four, right? We always talk about the best five on the offensive line. Right. If you want the best four, then Chris Jones has to play elsewhere. I tend to agree. I think that it's going to be more of a hybrid type of deal, but that's the best part, right? Because you look at that from the safety position with Tyron Matthew, the fact that he is such a hybrid player where he plays in the box, he can play deep, he can line up as a cornerback, he can blitz. You don't know where Chris Jones is going to be. He's rotating all over the line. That's going to make it more difficult on opposing offenses. I think you see 10 plus sacks for Chris Jones and 10 is my floor just because there's going to be so many times when he might just be lost because you have guys like Jaron Reed, Derek Nadi on uh, the field. So I'm I'm looking forward toward that, certainly. All right. My next point, John, are Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew on the field for what it's worth. 99% sure that they will be. Andy Reid said he expected Frank Clark to be there when veterans arrived. Tyron Matthew is the ultimate team player, but there are reasons why maybe they wouldn't be, right? We know about the off-the-field situation with Frank Clark. 
We know about Tyron Matthew and the contract situation. He is now, we believe, in St. Joseph without a contract extension going into the final year of his deal. We know that he had a desire to have a contract extension. It does not seem, at least at this point, that they've been able to come up with a new long-term agreement. There is still time before the regular season begins, but he should be on the field, we think, tomorrow entering the final year of his deal, which I never thought would be a possibility, John. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think we both thought that this would get done before training camp. Uh, I think we both think that it's a negotiation that's ongoing. I think right. we both think they'll get it done before the season begins. But uh, Yeah, I want to change my prediction. Stuff. Right, yeah. right. Like, okay, let's adjust here on the fly because it looks like he's going to practice with, with no contract mm-hmm. done. I still think it gets done before week one, but I... You, yeah. you don't know at this point. You don't really know what's going on. Well, we'll be predicting the end of the world on our next podcast. And if necessary, mm. we'll change our prediction as, as events dictate. But uh, yeah, I think I think they're going to get a deal done before the season begins. Um, but And I think that he'll be playing and playing the way we expect him to, regardless of whether a deal gets done. I, I do too. And man, you know, a message to the Chiefs, you are playing with fire with Tyron Matthew and not having him locked up because I just feel like he is going to, and not that he doesn't give max effort before, but isn't he going to be more motivated and, and than ever to be the defensive player of the year? Like if he gets to week one, John, without a contract in place, you know where I'm going to maybe not our friends, but to the Raiders home Las Vegas because I'm going to be placing a $100 wager <laughs> on Tyron Matthew to become the defensive player of the year prior to the season. Uh, well, so we'll see. I, yeah, I think that I think it gets to be a better bet at that point. I agree. Um it's still I think a long shot, but mm. uh but but that's why it would be fun a good bet to make. It does tend tend to go to it. defensive ends and defensive yeah. tackles at this yeah. point. Yeah. But, but, but it's certainly you don't sign Tyron yeah. Matthew to his deal. Couldn't you just see 10 interceptions in that little box on ESPN.com by the end of the season? I could. And then all of a sudden he's in the mix. We'll see. Frank Clark, I want to go back to your original point, John. And you made it while this was in the beginning stages. And I got to give you credit for that. We might be on chapter one or two of what is like a 10 to 15 chapter book when it comes to this mm-hmm. off the field situation with Frank Clark, meaning doesn't seem like the NFL is going to t- take action right now until the legal process plays out. Now, we'll see. It's a, a felony to our knowledge, and that could include jail time, which certainly changes the game if that were to play out. But we may not get any type of league discipline for a long time, maybe even the beginning of next year when he has a different uniform on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point to remember it just seems like when Andy Reid spoke about this, it was business as usual. And I do expect Frank Clark to be on the field as the team takes practice on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, he's a free man right now. It's not like he's sitting in a jail cell in California sure. or anything. So there's there's no real reason for him not to report to camp. He's not being restrained in any way. And I think that if there was going to be any kind of league discipline or team discipline, it would have happened before now. Yeah. And otherwise, I think it's just wait and see uh, and see how the legal situation plays out before either the team or the league does anything. And uh, as you say, that could be 
a year from now before we get any kind of resolution in terms of what kind of a suspension he might face, if any at all. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see him on the field uh, starting on Wednesday. Agreed. All right, let's go to your next question for day one of Chiefs training camp. How often do we see Clyde Edwards-Alaire catching passes? Hmm. Now, he caught some passes last year. It's it's interesting to me that we look at the numbers from last year. He actually caught quite a few passes compared to some Chiefs running backs who had preceded him, but he didn't have big production as a receiving target, and it seems to be because he was almost always used as an outlet receiver. There weren't like wheel routes where he was the main guy for the play. And so I think this question comes down to, are the Chiefs planning to put some plays in the playbook that are specifically designed to make Edward Zelaire a passing target? So it's not just how often do we see him catching passes, but how often do we see him doing that because that was the intent of the play? Um, And, of course, our our expectations here – are dating back to the beginning of the season when we didn't know they were going to blow up the offensive line and put five new guys on there. Um, And it may be that the Chiefs are intending to use him the same amount they did before and just hope they can get more out of him in the running game with this new offensive line. So that will be one of the things we'll be watching during training camp starting tomorrow is how often is Edward Zolaire getting the ball as a receiver. All right, I have three points on this. One, and you're going to hear things that I've repeated throughout throughout the offseason, but that's just where we're at because we, we have not had a full team practice yet. Right. But I think so much of, of Edwards Alaire that was disappointing in 2020 came from the crazy expectations. 1,100 yards yeah. in 13 games is a ridiculous number for a rookie yeah. who didn't have yeah. an offseason to learn the offense. So... Man, I think the sky's the limit for him this year. They've already been talking about how they want to expand him in the passing game. I think he's going to have more lanes to run through with this bolstered offensive line. I think that number is going to be higher than 1,100. I think you're going to be in mm-hmm. CMC territory like I predicted last offseason. I'm predicting it again, whatever. Greg Lewis is the running backs coach. He is the former wide receivers coach, a former NFL wide receiver. I think that was an intentional move that had to happen. Well, because Dylan McCullough moved on. So there was a vacancy at the running back position. Why not put Greg Lewis there who can help Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the passing game? And then the final thing, one thing that raised my eyebrows, and this is something I haven't really discussed in detail. One thing that raised my eyebrows this offseason was the fact that Edwards-Alaire talked about being out wide. You know, we, we talk about the variety and the hybrid part of Tyron Matthews' game and, and now Chris Jones potentially. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you put him on the field with another running back where Darrell Williams is suddenly the back and you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the line. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he suddenly draw your attention? What does that do for your attention with a guy like Noah Gray who might also be on the field? Cornell Powell, Tyree Killen, Travis Kelsey. Suddenly you have the defense looking at Clyde Edwards-Alaire who's lining up out wide three or four times a game. Good luck! What are you? Who are you going to defend when you have that type of situation? So, yeah, I think that's a great one, John. I'm glad that you came up with it. That's going to be a huge part of what I'll be watching at training camp. Not only how many times is he catching passes, where are they putting him pre-snap? Mm-hmm. Because right. this seems a little bit different than what we saw with him last year. All right, my next point. 
How are the three cornerbacks lining up in the nickel? I think we know a couple things here. We know Traverius Ward will be one of the outside positions. We know Legereus Sneed will be on the field. Who will be the other player, and where is Legereus Sneed in these nickel looks? Because I think in the base, I think it's going to be Sneed and Ward on the outside. But when you have three cornerbacks on the field, is Sneed still shifting in, or does that go to a Mike Hughes? How does Rashad Fenton fit in? How does DeAndre Baker, who is now healthy, fit in? We're finally going to get our first signs that we can report on in training camp starting tomorrow. Yeah, this is one of the most interesting uh, position battles that we're going to see in this training camp. There's not much doubt about that. Uh, And I don't think the Chiefs have any idea where it's going to go. Um, I go back to what Spagnolo said the last time we talked to him where he said, uh, you know, we'll see which guy uh, rises to the top. That is, if a guy rises to the top. You know, he's not even certain that they have a player who will uh, rise up to the top of that group. And he left open the possibility that Sneed could go back and forth um, between uh, being an outside corner and a slot corner. And then so we could see somebody like, uh, well, any of these players, including Rashad Fenton, become an outside uh, cornerback in those situations. So, yeah, this is going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. And, um, and, I, and again, I think that the Chiefs are going to try and keep this card hidden as much as they can because if there's one thing Spagnola likes to do, it's to trip people up with different formations and, um, and, and give them looks that they're not anticipating. So I, I think that we'll get some idea how it's going to play out, right? but not the final idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's legitimate. And and Steve Spagnolo of the three regular coaches we get to talk to, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Steve Spagnolo. Spagnolo is the most forthcoming with legit information, quite mm-hmm. typically. I mean, there are occasions where he'll say, you know, I can't tell you that. But more often than not, he'll give us something. And mm-hmm. you're right. During the offseason, he was very clear about the idea, okay, we're still working through this. This is what we're using the offseason for. And so like the Chiefs figuring out who's going to be at which offensive line position, this could still be something they're working on and it's something to watch on day one and beyond because who's in what position may change as the days of camp go on leading into mm-hmm. would be week one. The preseason game will be another time to watch because that's when you really know we are, are trying out these guys in these positions. It all starts on, on day one tomorrow. All right, John, let's go to your final point to watch on day one of Kansas City Chiefs full team practice. Here's another one that's pretty obvious is how are they going to use, how are they going to use uh, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton uh, in the second level of the defense? Um, You know, everybody wants to see Willie Gay out there uh, getting more snaps than he did last year. He's a gifted athlete, uh, apparently didn't absorb the defense quite as well as he might have. Uh, if he'd been in a different kind of season, one where there was a full off-season program and a full training camp. So we didn't get to see him much last year. We're hopeful that we'll uh, get out there other opportunities to see him on the field this year with an improved off-season situation. And then, of course, Nick Bolton, um, who seems to have been drafted as the heir apparent to Anthony Hitchens. So how do they use these players? Uh, how does that relate to what's going to happen after 2021? These are all important questions that we're going to be watching very carefully for uh, for clues uh, to, to, to inform what we think was going to happen. 
Anthony Hitchens is in a rather interesting situation this year where he was going to be tasked with training his replacement to save mm-hmm. the team eight or so million dollars. And that, that's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And Matt Derrick, a, a friend of our site, asked Anthony Hitchens on the Zoom last night about the idea of having to prove it to the coaching staff and team that he needs to be a part of this team in 2022 moving forward. And Hitchens essentially said he just needs to prove it to himself. He has personal goals that he doesn't share with anyone but himself, and he's going to accomplish that. He's going to try to play to the best of his ability. He's done things like losing four or five pounds, entering training camp. We wrote that up at arrowheadpride.com where he realizes, okay, you know, there's 11 personnel, three wide receivers on the field a lot of the time. He's going to be chasing guys like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray and Cornell Powell during the training camp session and he wants to be a little bit more fleet of foot he wants to be quicker to the ball he's doing everything in his power to prove okay you don't want to move on from me and we know that steve spagnolo loves him we know that the new linebackers coach ken flagell who called him high speed internet loves anthony hitchens (laughs) and anthony hitchens is so important in getting everyone lined up he is so in tune with steve spagnolo and the defense I think there is a scenario where the Chiefs say, man, Hitchens, you played so well this year. And, you know, we don't, we're not sure about Nick Bolton. I think we still have some questions about Willie Gay. Granted, he didn't have the, sure. the offseason last year where maybe the Chiefs do end up keeping Hitch for the final season. But what I think is really admirable about the player is he's training his replacement in, in Bolton. And I don't expect he holds a sliver back. And that's wild to think about in the sense that like, you're basically doing your best job to give the team an opportunity to cut you next year. And, but, but that's just the, the player and man that he is. And, and that's why I think the team and coaching staff loves Hitchens so much. Well, and the team, I think, is, loves him a lot. And yeah. I, you touched on that. And I think that's an underappreciated aspect of, of, of the situation here is how much uh, the Chiefs value him, specifically Spagnolo, because uh, Spagnolo's defense is one that requires an intelligent guy. You want smart guys playing in that kind of a defense because it adjusts on the fly. It's not just a question of the ball is snapped and you go find the ball and tackle the guy. That's not the way it's designed. That's not the way it's run. You need smart people doing it. You need smart people leading it. And I think that uh, that's a thing that's underappreciated by some fans, how much they value Hitchens. And uh, so I, I thought his remarks yesterday were very interesting in that respect. He he wants to show that he still has a place on this team. And, uh, you know, we might not see Nick Bolton starting in that position after uh, 2021. Uh, I think they're thinking about the long term there as they should be. And uh, but we it's I think it's distinctly possible we could see Hitchens for another year. So Wednesday is a season ticket holder day at training camp. If you're going up for day one. These are the things to watch. We just said it. Offensive line alignment. How much do we see Chris Jones on the edge? Where are Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew? How often is Clyde Edwards-Alaire catching passes? How are the three cornerbacks lining up in the nickel? And how do Willie Gay and Nick Bolton get used in this defense? Those will be most pertinent to us. If you see me at training camp, say hello. I'll be wearing a mask. There are very strict rules at training camp, but I would love to, to talk to you guys. I know that the full first team practice opens up on Thursday. John, coming up on 
the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Drive on Wednesday, another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Out of Structure Podcast. John, I believe what Ron and Matt have decided to do is welcome on Tom Childs and the Brit Chief, Brad Simcox, for Uh a super episode of Out of Structure tomorrow. I don't know how that's going to sound. I, I, am I not, think it will be out of structure. <laughs> I'll pull the curtain back as as the as our fearless leader at Arrowhead Pride. Unless it's an emergency situation, I'm not a fan of four hosts. My loyal employees <laughs> did not ask for my opinion, so we're letting it happen anyway. I don't care, whatever. But I'm looking forward to listening to it. Honestly, it's going to be what exactly I listen to probably when I'm on my way home from Wednesday camp from St. Joe to Kansas City. So that should be a, a great show. It'll be li- fun. I think it'll be fun. To. Yeah. Again, we love you. If you could rate and review us, we would highly, highly appreciate it. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. It's training camp. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.